Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. I'm your host, Joe Webb, and this is a podcast for spiritual exiles, for all of us who are looking for faith and spirituality beyond the walls and fences of institutional Christianity. Before we dive into this episode, I'd just like to quickly remind you that you can find all of the content that the Accidental Tomatoes team is creating for our community over on our website, accidentaltomatoes.com. You can go there to find all of the back episodes of the podcast and a variety of articles on issues regarding faith and justice and liberation. And if you're inspired by our work and would like to support us, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash accidental tomatoes to learn how you can help us create and curate content that's helping people navigate the difficulties of spiritual trauma, deconstruction, and the work of just trying to build a more inclusive world. My guest for this episode may be familiar to you from the viral YouTube footage of her testimony before a congressional subcommittee back in early 2020, or more recently from her appearance on The Problem with John Stewart on Apple TV+. Amy Jo Hutchinson is an activist and organizer working to raise awareness of the systemic issues that create cycles of poverty, especially for women and children. This is Amy Jo's second appearance here on the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. We had her on back in season two, and we're really excited to have her back. So please give a warm Accidental Tomatoes welcome to Amy Jo Hutchinson. In my head, what changes policy and, and bad decisions is is just the truth. You know, like, I mean, oh, like you're going to change something if it breaks your heart. And so we have to go and tell our stories so people can understand exactly what's breaking our hearts. Well, hey there, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. And I am so excited to bring back one of our most popular guests we've ever had uh, on the podcast, Amy Jo Hutchinson, making a return visit to Accidental Tomatoes. Um, welcome, Amy Jo. It's so good to have you back. Good morning, Joe. How are you? I'm terrific. I'm terrific. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode. You've got a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, for those of you who missed uh, our first interview with Amy Jo, uh, Amy Jo is, I don't know how to describe you, like activist, <laughs> organizer, all around badass. I don't know. <laughs> I'll um, take it. But you, <laughs> but, um, you know, you're, you are one of the people, um, that, that I'm, I'm really pleased to know that really is kind of really getting into the, um, the dirt and the, and the work of, um, trying to help people live better lives and really, you know, try to, to create a, a better society that, that really truly seeks justice for all and all of those things that those of us from, you know, the Christian background say we're supposed to be for. Uh, but sadly, we don't always live up to those things. So, 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 what are you up to these days, Amy Joe? Tell the folks a little bit about who you are and what you're doing, and um, and then let's dive into the interview here. Yeah. So, uh, my name is Amy Joe Hutchison, and I'm from the Wheeling area um, here in West Virginia. I'm a lifelong West Virginian. Um, I don't know if I tell people that because I want them to celebrate it or kind of have pity on me at times. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, uh, but regardless, I'm as dysfunctional as she is. I love her so. Um, but I'm an economic justice organizer. Uh, that's usually how I describe myself. My lived experience shows with uh, poverty, right, on some level, um, pretty much my whole life. And so that's my passion is uh, going out here and organizing with poor marginalized folks and trying to push for policy changes or even just community changes um, 
that are more inclusive and more equitable. Yeah, yeah, and you, 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 um, a lot of folks I'm sure will know you from uh, kind of the YouTube video that went viral with your testimony before the congressional subcommittee there a couple of years ago, um, and, and since the last time you and I have talked, uh, you've been on uh, on John Stewart's program, uh, the problem with John Stewart on Apple TV Plus. Uh, that had to have been a really cool experience, right? Yeah, that was, <laughs> um, it was really unexpected and something that I never thought I would do. Um, but what a great experience. Uh, I'm just going to touch on that for a minute. Um, yeah, yeah. I was told by John Stewart that the reason I was asked to be on the show was because he was doing some research on the economy and my congressional video popped up. And he said, no one had ever said those things to me before. I didn't realize what it was like. And th that left such an impression with me because, you know, in real talk, that's half my battle as an organizer with poor folks, right, is the fact that people have these images in their heads and these these ideas, you know, that society has put in there about what it looks like to be poor and, you know, uh, the causes of poverty. And, we, you know, I'm constantly battling back about against stereotypes where people are poor because they don't know how to budget their money or people are poor because they, you know, sit on there, as it said to me countless times on social media, get off your lazy yeah. ass and get a job. You know, yeah. and so um, like that's part of the, that's the biggest part of my battle is just trying to get people to understand and develop some sort of empathy and a realization that poverty is not a character defect. Right. I mean, it's a circumstance right, that's yeah. created by oppressive systems, you know, so that's my little yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, you know, just kind of bringing that all together, um, you know, you've this work that you're doing. Um, and I think this is probably also since the last time you were on uh, Accidental Tomatoes with us was you, you've developed a whole new website, Rattle the Windows, um, that's kind of built around that sort of hashtag that, that grew out of your um, your congressional testimony. Uh, so what's going on with Rattle the Windows? What's happening over there? Yeah, um, I really don't know what to call Rattle the Windows. I mean, so you know, <laughs> I say that we're building a movement, um, but I think that's really what it is. And uh, it's just a place for people to come and get information and for me to get information out. You know, it's a great organizing tool. Um, but it's also a way for me, again, to be able to talk about those things and to be able to push back against those stereotypes, maybe provide people with an article or whatever um, that'll give them a different perspective uh, on what poverty looks like, what creates poverty, you know, a number of things. Um, pretty much anything social justice is fair game for Rattle the Windows, Joe. It, uh, yeah. When that video went viral and I was looking in the comments section, people just pulled that out. Something about that comment um, really just really sat with people. And so I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. Like, let's coin it. Let's, let's make it a thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's different. And, um, I, you know, I, I don't know how to. Uh, anyway, I need to get stronger with my rattle the windows presence, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because. You know, um, learning that marketing and branding and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, I just want a place where people can come and learn stuff. <laughs> I don't, yeah, you know what I mean. And it is. I mean, it's a great resource hub, though. You know, that's what, you know that's one of the things I found whenever I check in. Like, um, you know, the stuff you're talking about there, uh, and I want to get to some of the actual, you know, on the ground work you're doing that's related to that. But um, you know, you've got you've got a newsletter, you got some cool merch, um, but you've also got you know like the the main issues that you're working on. Um, and I think it's a great place for folks to check in and say, you know, what's going on with this, you know, uh, with the child tax credit, with, um, you know, um, 
issues around paid leave and childcare and all of those things. Uh, it, it's a it's a really good place to kind of go and see, kind of get a snapshot of of kind of where we are in some of these things. So so you're doing some work of those things that I mentioned specifically, child tax credit, um, paid leave, child care. Um, you're, you're doing some really exciting work there um, that I would love uh, to hear you kind of talk about kind of what's going on with some of that. Yeah, so um, I kind of made a joke yesterday that if you're if you work um, for social justice, you have great job security here. Um, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it was funny because it's not right. But um, right, right, yeah, yeah. So the main issues that I'm uh, talking to folks about right now are paid leave and childcare. As far as my organizing um, and rattle the windows stuff goes, and I've been fortunate enough to partner up with Moms Rising, which is a national organization. Um, that works on the same issues. So I'm pretty excited about that work. Um, again, I think one of, you know, sometimes we hear expressions or phrases like paid leave. And when I was first asked to work on it, my, my initial thought was, well, I don't know anything about paid leave, you know, and the more I thought about it, I was like, well, yes, you do, because you've been in several instances, you know, and places in your life where, um, you could have just used, the freedom to be able to take a day off to take care of someone that you, you know, that you were taking care of, um, and not worry about losing your job or not worrying about not being able to pay your rent, you know, the next month. And, um, paid leave is really interesting to me because I, it's almost as if everyone I know has a paid leave story and we just don't talk, we just don't frame it like that. Right. So we don't realize that we do have a paid leave story. Um, and then childcare, where do you start, Joe? In yeah. the state of West Virginia, for private pay childcare, it costs more for a year of childcare than it does for tuition at Marshall. So wow. it's costing these parents um, more money for childcare than it is if they would send that same child to college. And not then we have accessibility problems here, right? Just because of our geography. I mean. Um, so we have childcare deserts here. And, and I think, you know, one of the biggest things I push back against is this pull yourself up by the bootstraps rhetoric. Right. And if we're really going to, if that's how we're going to say to people, you know, this is what you need to do, right? Like you have to stand on your own two feet, da, da, da. We have to have childcare. I mean, to me, I just don't understand why that's, why that's so hard for people to understand. But how am I going to, especially because I'm a single mom. So how am I going to go out here and work if I don't have a safe or, or quality place to, you know, to, to take care of my children? You know, because yeah. in my head, my children are my biggest responsibility and their safety is most definitely my responsibility as their mom. And so how am I supposed to go out here and join the workforce if I don't have anyone that will care for my kids? You know, and so I'll never understand why it's so hard um, for childcare to get attention you know, it was even just pulled out of that big package in, in um, Congress. You know, they ended up gutting it and taking childcare completely out of that. And we'd been hopeful for a while that there was going to be additional funding coming down. You know, childcare workers, um, most of them live in poverty because they make poverty wages. Because the way that system is designed, it's really hard for childcare providers and owners to be able to pay a living wage. You know, and then they're competing with the school system for pre-K teachers. I mean, so it's like a whole system of its own um, and it's so important. But I think we continue to show all the time that 
we don't value caretaking or caregiving very much here in America. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is like it baffles me too. Like, why is that so hard? Well, you know, if if we if we if we want people in the workforce, and this is obviously this is you know very largely a women's issue, but it's not exclusively a women's issue. Um, you know that uh, how, how are we supposed to expect people to be in the workforce if we don't give them a way to care for their children? Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and so what we create is this, and I, you know, I'm, you're more familiar with this than anybody, right? We create this, this cycle of, um, I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like the poverty cycle, right? You can't, you can work all the time and then you can put every penny that you earn into childcare, you know, and so what's, what's the point of going to work, right? If that's, if that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. I just spoke to a, a young woman the other day. Um, she's in her late twenties. So to me, that's young. <laughs> um, she said that 75% of her paycheck goes to pay for her youngest son's childcare. Her oldest son is in school. You know, and she said, I'm telling you every single day of my life, I sit and think, is it worth it? You know? And so it really isn't just an issue for her because she has her husband who's affected by this, right? He's also, I'm deeply affected by the fact that his wife is spending seventy five percent of her salary um to pay the child care provider. Yeah. You know, and so she has a, a you know, a state job, um, great benefits, and so those are the reasons why she sticks around, right? Just because of the benefit package and all of that. Um yeah. but really we just ask and especially women, this usually you know, the caretaking usually falls on women. Here in West Virginia, we have one of the right, oldest right. populations, you know, and I became familiar with the term the other day. It kind of made me laugh when I heard it, but the sandwich generation. So it's, mm. you know, like, like us, right? Like, I mean, we have yeah, yeah. kids that we're raising, but we're also over here taking care of our elderly parents as well. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and so whenever we talk about that, the difference that paid leave would make in the lives um, of people in that, in that generation, you know, I mean, even my mom lives with us, you know, with me and my daughters and, um, it does add just an extra layer of, you know, of time commitment. And you have to make sure that, you know, that you're on top of everything. I mean, my mom takes care of herself, but, um, but things change when you get older. Right. And, you know, and so, um, just to be able to have the freedom to not feel guilty or not feel as if my mom has to go through all that, you know, whatever that is, um, alone because I can't afford to help her or to be there with her when she needs someone, you know, and she's a widow. So, it, you know, I'm, I'm it. Right. And I mean, I, I just think that if we start having honest conversations about the stress and the struggles of providing care for the people we love, um, regardless of age, <laughs> you know, um, I think we're going to find out that we have far more in common than we do different. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think it takes to get some political momentum behind that? Cause I think you're right. I think it starts with empathy, right? To understand that, that some people live in a way that you didn't understand. Okay. For whatever reason that, I guess that's okay. But once you know that, what's the, once you know better, you do better. Right. right. Um, so you, so you, it, it begins with having empathy for someone else's situation, but what do you think it takes to get the kind of political momentum that's necessary to make effective policy changes. Um, honestly, I, I don't know if I know. <laughs> I've tried that's a $64,000 yeah, question, right? I've tried yeah. it off. 
Um, I, you know, I, I think the one thing is when we really do just need to start speaking up for the things that matter to us, you know, and I think I'm trying really hard now to think about things from a value perspective. I've always tried to sway away from um, part of the political party perspective, because first of all, that's just an excuse to be divided. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, at this point, you know, like, yeah. I told someone the other day, I was like, I don't care which party you're affiliated with because neither one of them are really helping us right now. Huh? Like, exactly. Like, yeah. What do you have to brag about? You know? And, um, but I, anyway, I just try to reach, you know, let's just talk about values and let's try to find those points where we realize that we are more alike than different. And maybe, you know, we just have a different way of getting there, right? Like our map may, may look a little different. Um, but how do we get to a solution that will benefit the most people, right? Not just specific people, right. but the most people. And um, I think that's probably, I don't know, tapping into our values and tapping into our morals. And um, I'm going to tell you, Joe, we spent, uh, it was like a year, year and a half working on that child tax credit um, to try to get that passed and, and made permanent and, um, it was devastating when we couldn't move our senator. And, yeah. you know, and, but I think to me, one of the comments, um, and I'm not even going to mention him, he shall, who shall not be named, but, um, <laughs> I don't even want to hear it anymore, but, um, he was in the press and he was quoted as talking about how, um, parents were only spending that CTC money on drugs. Right. Yeah. And, I was stunned because, I mean, I guess sometimes, like, I know the stereotypes against poor people. I know how they're treated. I know how difficult the system is for them to maneuver um, because of that, that's been my life, right? But sometimes, like, to hear that being said by someone who's been elected to represent us regardless of our socioeconomic status, right? Like, it, you know, regardless of our gender, regardless of our sexuality, these folks are hired and elect, you know, hired slash elected to represent their constituents. And to know that that was, that is so much easier for folks to just play on those negative things. First of all, it was a lie. Like research has shown right. that it wasn't the case at all. You know, if you can provide financial stability and you can lower stress, your drug use is going to go down. Like, you know, CPS calls went down. Um, a lot of people wanted to say it's because the kids were in the school. But let's talk about the, the fact that we know, right, we, we just know this because of all the work that's been done on this, that um, CPS and child abuse instances, they always decrease when the family's stress level lowers. You know, and so, right. the, so like the CT, the child tax credit expansion, it brought all of these things to light, but, but to light in the way that we can prove, Hey, look, this is working. This is working yeah. on a thousand different levels right now. Right. And so to know that it's so much easier um, for someone in a government position to just stand there and make some off the cuff comment about, well, we can't make this permanent because parents are using it for drugs. Like what you just said to me, who is not struggling with the substance abuse disorder, right? I don't, that's not my problem. You know, I don't have that issue with myself personally. But what you've just told me is that I don't matter. Because yeah. you can so quickly and so easily dismiss a real conversation about something that's genuinely helping people in your state. And the only thing you want to do is throw some 
ridiculous, incorrect, stereotypical information out there about it. And um, that's more, more my frustration with the system comes. And um, I'm going to tell you, Joe, I broke up with the church because I was, um, after that thousand year flood that happened a few years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, my friends and I, we organized this uh, school supply drive. And so we ended up going to Nicholas County and um, we were able, we provided um, school supplies, tubs of school supplies. We had a beer truck that um, a company here donated and we had it packed from the floor to the ceiling, but we were able to provide most students in Nicholas County with school supplies and backpacks and teachers in the County with stuff that they may need as well. And so when I was there, I, I um, was introduced to an elderly couple and tell me if I get too far in the weeds with this, but um, I don't, God, no. I've never told this story enough, to be honest with you. But um, keep in mind, I was strangers with all these folks, right? And I never met them. We just read about Nicholas County on the internet, and on Facebook. So, um, But the woman who was running the donation center, when we were leaving, she just like kind of pulled me aside for whatever reason, me. And she said, do you mind if I go and introduce you to a couple that I met? She's like, they've lost everything. And so when she, we went across this little stone bridge and we were driving down this dirt lane and um, she introduced me to a uh, husband and wife, an elderly couple, and they really, they had lost everything. They watched their house float away and they were living in this little, like, I don't know, four by eight, four by 10 camper that someone had brought to them. And uh, long story short, I worked from up here on the telephone and I, you know, we got their house rebuilt for them, right? Like uh, church groups came, traveled through, built their house. Like theirs was a huge success story. It took a very long time for it to get that way. Yeah. But when it was all done, my friends and I, we took my daughters and we went down to, you know, to help put the house together. And um, the man looked at me and he said, I'm going to tell you a story. He said, I didn't know what I was going to do. He's like, I didn't know how we were going to make it out of this. And he said, that day when I, I turned around and you were climbing out of the car, he said, you were glowing. He said, the sun was behind wow. you and you were glowing. And he said, as soon as you looked at me and smiled, God said to me, it's okay, Junior. She's going to fix this. She's going to help me. Wow. And so I, you know, that's where I was, right? I was still involved in the church I was going to. I was, I was going to six services a week. I was volunteering in the child, uh, the child wing. I was volunteering at the VIP desk. I was volunteering. They, whatever they needed. I was, I was doing spoken words on stage, right? Like, Whenever they needed, I was so in. And uh, I was running a ministry called Borrowing a Dad, which was a single mom's family's ministry. It was very successful. But um, anyway, so we were spending a couple of weekends down in Nicholas County. And uh, I was told by the church that if I couldn't be there to every service every weekend, that I would have to stop running my ministry. Wow. Because that was my responsibility. And I said, well, wait a minute, this is what I'm doing. Like, I'm going down here. We're, you know, we're helping these folks. And I was told that I just needed to be in church. And it wasn't, I bet you, maybe two months later, um, was the last time I walked into a church for a service. And wow. that was like eight years ago, I think, or seven years ago. I mean, but, but and I say all that because um, in my head, like, if you profess, to believe in something higher than yourself is for the ultimate good, right? That's how I'm going to say right, that. Yeah. But if you believe that, 
And then for you to, to stand anywhere, I don't care if it's in the newspaper, I don't care if it's on the street corner, but for you to make a comment that is so dismissive and so harmful as we can't help people improve their lives because they can't be trusted to not use the money for anything other than drugs, yeah. then I'm going to question your morals and I'm going to compare them to my morals. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, I, um, th the last episode that we did, I, I, I interviewed Matt Johnson. He's doing, um, recovery housing work in Morgantown and, and that we were kind of having, it, it was on a different topic, but it was a similar conversation about how the church is one of those places that for God knows what reason is one of the worst places for reinforcing those stigmas. Right. And, and that's, you know, the, the kind of stuff that you're talking about our Senator doing. I mean, that's, it's, it's not just willful ignorance. It's intentionally reinforcing stigmas and stereotypes that, that continue to oppress and marginalize people, right? Yes. Continue to exploit people. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, real talk, that's the, to me, that's the cowardice way. Right. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not addressing the issues, not even opening your eyes up to even maybe accept the truth. Like, you know, I mean, especially when it's something like substance abuse, there's there's so much research, you know, and we know so much about it now. Right. Like we're constantly learning new stuff um, about poverty and about um, drug addiction and about housing problems. And but we're you know, we have so much research that's going on. We're constantly learning more about it. So to so easily dismiss anyone based on a comment like that to me, like, I'm going to look at you funny because I just don't understand how people, I don't know, to me, that's, that's the, the easy way out and the easy answer is to just keep pushing that harmful and hurtful rhetoric on people. Um, right. You know, like that doesn't even give you any open door for the truth. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like a comment like that has to shut me down. Because it usually makes me very angry, and then that's where Amy Joe without the filter shows up. You know? <laughs> that's my favorite Amy Joe. <laughs> it's my favorite Amy Joe too. But people, not all feel the same way. So, but um, <laughs> I mean, but I, I, I don't know. I just I'm like that's a no brainer. That took zero effort for you to say that. What would have really taken the effort would have been for you to learn how incorrect that yeah. information is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's um, kind of playing off of that. You know, I want to I want to kind of shift the conversation a little bit to these listening sessions uh, that you're doing because, for one thing, like you know, just to help you get the word out about it. But uh, I'm kind of curious to to hear you talking a little bit about what's going on in those sessions. What are you learning from people? How are you helping folks? You know, kind of get organized and 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 get activated to to try to make some of these policy changes. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. Um, the first listening session is scheduled for this Thursday, September 29th. Um, in Flemington, West Virginia. Um, so we're kind of excited to get this rolling. Uh, what we hope to do is just to create a space um, where West Virginia women can come in and talk about the issues that make it harder for us to care for our families. Um, of course, because of my work, um, we're really going to be focusing on paid leave and child care. Um, but women have really been under attack lately, Joe. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> but, uh, I, I've heard I've heard a thing or two about that. Yeah. I've heard whispers. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, but you know as as the father of two daughters who are, you know, in their their twenties <laughs> and now early thirties, um, yeah, I, I am very aware. Yeah, you've heard a, you've heard more than whispers. 
Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm joking around. I'm lost my train of thought. But, anyway, but <laughs> I mean, even going back to COVID, right, the millions of women who were forced out of the workforce because schools were closed down, because right. child care centers were closed down. I mean, so this has been, I mean, we're going into year three. Is it year three of this? Yeah, um, yeah, we're closing in on yeah, it. Yeah, and so, um, like, even, you know, going back to 2020, women have just continued to feel the brunt of the situation in, in a lot of different ways um, because we are primarily and typically the caregivers. And, you know, then even the baby formula shortage that took place a little bit ago, I think it's still taking place, but, like, most things here, um, we get upset about it. There seems to be a big rush, a big wave of people wanting action, and then it kind of just, you know, the wave goes back at the tide, goes back out, and we kind of move on to something else. But um, the fact that in this country there was a baby formula shortage and infants could not be fed because the parents couldn't access what they needed to keep them alive. Uh, <laughs> Joe, we could sit there for days. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, our communities have a great way, a great way here of um, mutual aid and helping each other out. So, um, I guess there is that that came out of the baby formula shortage, but regardless, um, and then, you know, the Roe v. Wade thing, it, it doesn't matter in my head, which side of that issue you're on. It was a huge issue. It was a huge decision, right. That primarily affected women. And so, um, I think that's one of the reasons, um, that I'm really excited about doing these listening tours is because, um, it's not very common for women to make the time or the space really to sit and talk about the, these things with other women. You know, and, and how deeply our lives are impacted by the decisions that are made. And um, I hope that we get, you know, a crowd of 15 would be great for me. <laughs> um, it's hard to get people, especially in the fall football season, school season, uh, homecoming right, yeah. season. Um, but I would love for women to come out and just join these groups. And, um, you know, of course, a purpose of one part of this is um, outreach, you know, and to let people know there are groups out here that are organizing and and working on this is on these issues um to try to get change to happen um but the other part of that really is just for women to have a safe space or you know what hopefully they feel is a safe space for us to be real and honest about how deeply these issues do affect our families i don't know if we talk about that enough publicly you know yeah yeah and that is the way to change i mean it, it kind of sounds like a cliche at some point on some level but um you asked earlier, like, what do you do, you know, to get this done? And, and we have got to start sharing our truth, you know, yeah. um, because every person that tells their story that like, I always see it in my head is every time I tell my story, then someone has to get the eraser out and, you know, change the statistic, right? Because all of a sudden I've become human, not just a number. And, exactly. you know, and I, I can't stress that enough. Like in my head, what changes policy and, and bad decisions is, is just the truth. You know, like, I mean, like you're going to change something if it breaks your heart. And so we have to go and tell our stories so people can understand exactly what's breaking our hearts and maybe find a point to relate with us on that, you know, and to see us in that moment, because that's another thing. Um, we're all so busy out here running around. When's the last time we've really taken a moment to truly see someone in whatever struggle they're in, you know? And so um, yeah. I'm really hoping that it takes off, um, you know, plus 
It's just been a while. It's been a minute, Joe, since I've been out here talking to groups of folks. And um, I'm I'm really looking forward to that, just being around people again. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, for for extra for extroverts, the the pandemic has been, you know, a nightmare scenario. Um, but you know, just and even if you're not an extra extrovert, though, just the energy that you get from from being able to be um, in groups of people and to hear from one another firsthand. I mean, I love Zoom. I use it all the time, um, and I will continue to use it. It's it's a great tool. Um, but sometimes uh, you need that that face to face interaction. You just need it sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. We need to look yeah. each other in the I, eye again. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, you know, when I'm thinking about the, the listening tour that you're going to do, and, and you had written a little bit about this, I think maybe it was yesterday I saw on your social media, it was um, how heavily intersectional um, this work is. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. I'm, thanks for bringing that up. I don't think we talk about that enough. You know, yeah. um, it's all in like, if we don't have a stable foundation to build on, everything gets a little wobbly, right? And I think yeah. um, we don't, again, that's one more thing we don't talk about is it might show that, that we have fragilities that make us uncomfortable to acknowledge, right? So, um, yeah. but it is, um, if you don't have paid leave, if you're forced to make the choice, here's the story, Joe. Um, we did a paid leave event um, last summer and there was a woman there who shared a story she works as a waitress and she gave birth on Thursday and had to go back to work on Saturday when she was released from the hospital because wow. she didn't have any time off and she wouldn't have been able to pay her rent. And so she and her newborn would have been without a place to stay. And if we're being honest, what the hell is wrong with us that that's okay? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it might be difficult to explain childbirth mentally physically emotionally everything that your body goes through but to know that that you can't even really be fully present in that moment because you're too worried about not being able to keep a roof over your head like i just i mean again i think it goes back to morals and values you know why are we so okay with that and and why are we so complacent you know um and then the other thing is right that great dr king quote about silence as complicity you know, I believe it was Dr. Yeah, King. Yeah. Um, like we have got to start paying attention to ourselves and holding ourselves accountable to be like, Hey, you know what? This thing that's happening over here. That's really not okay. It's not a good look for us. Right. Like, yeah. 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 But I mean, I think it's just that, like, you can't talk. I, I, I guess the easiest way for me to explain intersectionality of all these issues is if someone is struggling with hunger, if they have to go to a food pantry, you can bet your bottom dollar that that's not the only thing that they're lacking. Right. Right. It's, you know, it's transportation. It's the inability to be able to afford a car or insurance to get it on the road or repairs. Right. It's, um, housing costs where people like they're doing everything they can to be able to afford a place to live around here. You know, um, it's being in an environment where someone's saying, Hey, $11 an hour is good money. Hmm. Good money for what, you know, because it's, yeah. it's just enough to kick you off the safety net, probably, you know, to where you still can't make your ends meet. And then what's going to happen is that once you can't pay your bills or, you know, once you can't put food on your table, then you're going to have to make that decision as to whether to stay in that job that's not really meeting your needs or go quit the job and go back to being, you know, relying on the system. 
And so it's just like the cycle that you can get into. Yeah. Right. And um, that's like, it's one of those cycles we have to throw a wrench in the wheel, Joe. And, and we have to start realizing that if you're hungry, you're probably not going to be able to give a hundred percent of your job. Your child is probably not going to be able to give a hundred percent to their teacher, right. And to their schoolwork. Um, you're probably sitting and worrying about paying your rent. You're probably worrying about how you're going to afford this gas. that was almost $4 a gallon to drive to a job that pays you what, like the equivalent of two gallons of gas an hour or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and so it's real easy to just connect these dots. I think that's, um, you know, I think for those folks who I, the phrase working poor, isn't that just, it's just why we even have a phrase like that anyway, but you know, they're in such a precarious situation. The stress is usually very high um, because you don't make enough for safety net assistance. You don't make enough to really survive out here, you know, or to be stable. Um, and so it's like a, a house of cards, right? It's like a big Jenga game. Yeah. And if one thing um, costs more than it usually does, or if you have an emergency that pops up, and then you're just standing there you know, waiting for it, for the house, the cards to fall down around your, your ears, you know, um, and, and it's all intersectional. And then we can bring in race, right? Like, um, if yeah. you're open and honest enough with yourself, and I, and I think that's probably one of the biggest obstacles, um, is that realizing that if you're white in America, that you have racism, like, it's kind of just a part of your life that you don't even pay attention to. Um, yeah. So if we're not comfortable enough with ourselves to really start breaking that down and to learn about how, you know, these laws and policies, um, it's just white supremacy, you know, because all these issues affect black and brown communities on a much greater scale than they do white communities. And, um, you know, so that we have the racism and we have the economic justice issues and we have all these security issues and we have the, um, you know, unemployment issues and the low wage job issues. Like it's just, it's the perfect storm, right? It's a great cocktail when you have all those pieces, um, all those ingredients in there. Yeah. One of the things I've heard you say a number of times before, uh, and, and it's front and center on Rattle the Windows website is, is that phrase, you know, the system isn't broken. It's, it's working the way it was designed to work. Yeah, absolutely. And then we don't, you know, we don't, um, usually have, we're not usually privileged, privy to that knowledge, right? As to how the system is designed because we don't pay yeah. attention to it, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. But it's just that. It's the whole cliff effect where, you know, you're working, you're doing all right, you're getting assistance, um, you get a raise or you work extra hours or heck, you get a Christmas bonus and then you make too much to qualify for um, assistance. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. Now I can't pay my rent. I can't, pay yeah. you know, I don't have health insurance, like what's going on. And so, um, folks are out here all the time having to decide between being able to survive or, or having a little better job. You know, I mean, I saw a sign the other day in a little retail store here. They were hiring a manager for 11, 15 hour. And I was like, man, a manager of, I mean, it's a busy little store. Wow. But I'm like, just the level of stuff you have to deal with for 11, 15 an hour, right? Like, I mean, first of all, you're managing people and that's not always easy, right? Especially exactly, when you're, yeah. you know, you're the employer. Um, yeah. But I'm like for 11, 15 an hour. And, but again, Joe, we fool ourselves. Like we think that's great money because the minimum wage is eight seventy five. 
right? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. so it's, I don't know. I, the more we talk about this, the more we have our eyes open to the fact that, you know, um, we have a way here of deciding who's worthy and who isn't. Yeah. You know, and I think we need yeah. to, we need to stop doing that. And if we can't stop doing it, then we need to at least redefine the criteria for being worthy. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was asked a question yesterday and like, do you ever have hope? And I was like, well, heck yeah, I have hope. You know, like you're not at people who are out here doing this. I mean, Joe, you, right? Like with the accidental tomato things, if you didn't have hope, you never would have started this. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm, I'm like, people don't do things. They don't take risks if they don't have hope. And, you know, I said, um, the people that I do life with, man, there's hope there because they just don't give up, you know, or yeah. um, maybe sometimes we do give up, but we don't stay there. You know, we don't, yeah, we don't live yeah. there. And, or, you know, it's kind of like visiting the hotel. You don't really, um, who unpacks your stuff and puts it in the drawer. You know what I mean? So, like, those are the moments in my life where I haven't given up. And, I, you know, I've spent a little bit of time there, but I didn't choose to live there. And, um, I'm like, there's hope all around me. And if I didn't believe that we could change this stuff, then I wouldn't be out here trying to do it. And, I mean, it would be a complete waste of energy, in my opinion. But, um, I also view success differently. And so for me, a successful mm -hmm. event would be um, if I could get you, Joe, to bring two of your friends and let's just sit and have a conversation that you may never have had before, you know, and right. you could teach me things and I could teach you things. And, and then, you know, our perspective starts to broaden, our worldview gets bigger. And then the next conversation, we could go a little deeper with that, right? And we could bring a couple more friends. And um, to me, that success, if we could get people around the table who typically don't are in conversation with each other to talk about these things that make us uncomfortable that we usually shy away from as a society. And to me, we're winning. And that's where my yeah, hope yeah. is, right? My hope is always in the people, not the, I mean, the people who are out here doing it, you know, and, and living it regardless of what it is, you know, that's where my hope lies because, um, I don't know, it's beautiful and there's usually love. And, um, yeah, I've been reminded a lot about that in a couple of days, just things that have happened in my life. And, I'm like, man, you know, you were raised about a lot of anything, but you knew you were loved. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, you knew you were loved. Yep, yep, good stuff, good stuff. Well, my friend, we're, we're coming to the end of our time together. Um, is there anything else um, going on that you you want folks to know about? Um, real quick, I am. Um, I'm also the community outreach specialist for a new project um, with Think Kids West Virginia uh, about how healthcare data really isn't um, collected or used well um, when it comes to marginalized communities. So I'll be traveling across the state for the next couple of years. I'm holding small focus groups with uh, three communities that were interested in the black community, the LGBTQ plus community and the disabilities community. Um, and we just want to start, you know, like what are the experiences with the healthcare, with the healthcare system um, as you try to maneuver that, you know, as a marginalized class. Um, mm. and just have, uh, conversations about that. You know, we're giving $50 gift certificates out to people who come and participate. Um, that'll be coming out online. I shared the first video last night, um, to give a little bit of information about it, but, um, you know, we want to change the way that data from marginalized folks is used, um, and even collectively, you know, I found out last night, Joe, 
yesterday that West Virginia has the largest disability community in the nation. Did you know that? Wow. No, I didn't know that. I didn't I know that guessed either. it, but I didn't know it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it either. Um, and, and yet we have so many buildings and spaces that aren't accessible, right? They're not yeah, even, yeah. Uh, you know, there's not even a handicap ramp, for example, for one example, you know. Um, and so I think that'll be pretty interesting. I'm excited about that uh, to let folks know. I think whenever we are invited to do research projects or focus groups, it, that's also a way for people to feel as if they're being seen, you know, yes, yeah, and that yeah. someone's paying attention. So I'm really excited about that as well. All that stuff will be on the Rattle the Windows Facebook page. That's that's so excellent. So so yeah. Before we wrap things up, there, if folks want to learn more about what you're doing or want to get in touch with you, um, where do they find you? Yeah, um, on Facebook you can go to Rattle the Windows. I believe there's a clogging group out there with the same name, so like it's Rattle <laughs> the Windows with the capital capital letters on each word. Um, I am on Twitter, uh, Rattle the Windows as well. Uh, that would be the the quickest way um, to check out what's going on. It's been kind of quiet over there, but uh, this fall we're going to be moving around a lot. So I'm excited and there should be a lot of frequent updates and information coming Excellent. out. Yeah. Excellent. That's so exciting. Well, and hopefully we can have you back here in a few months and, uh, and kind of get an update on, on how some of that work is, is going once, once it gets up and running. Yeah. And maybe we'll have a way. Amy Joe. Yeah. My, my friend, I'm so glad to be able to spend some time talking with you. It's been too long. Um, so hopefully our paths will cross here someday soon. I hope so too, Joe. It's talking to you is very easy and this is important what you're doing. And thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good day. Thanks again to Amy Joe for uh, an enlightening and inspiring conversation. Uh, it's always so good to hear uh, about the really important work that she's doing in the world. Uh, and, and don't forget to check out rattlethewindows.com uh, and find out more about the work that Amy Joe's doing and how you might be able to get involved. As always, if you have comments or feedback on this episode or suggestions for future episodes, please reach out to us on our social media channels. Just do a search for Accidental Tomatoes and drop us a note there. Or you can send us an email at accidentaltomatoes at gmail.com. And so my friends, until next time, keep on growing outside the fences and join us for another brand new episode of the Accidental Tomatoes Podcast.